On yesterday's show, I got a question about Andrew Booth's place on the depth chart, and I said, well, you can't really use their place on the depth chart to evaluate them. You kind of have to watch them. So that's what we're going to do today. Watch Andrew Booth and talk a little bit about how he got to where he is. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Hey, let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings Podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including YouTube, uh, as well as Amazon Fire and Roku. If you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app, you can even find Locked On on SiriusXM. Uh, or on the SiriusXM podcast app. Uh, that's a very exciting partnership. Today on the show, we are going through uh, Andrew Booth, and I wanted to go a little bit into what I think is holding him back from being on the first team right now, the path he has to take to uh, this this training camp to find a greater role in the defense, uh, as well as talk a little bit about how Andrew Booth got to here, the uh, Everyman series entry on Andrew Booth. I'm hopefully going to do the same thing on a Caleb Evans this week, or at least soon, uh, so we can sort of compare those two guys that appear to be in something of a direct competition with one another. Um, and the guy who was drafted later is winning. That's interesting always, right? And I think the reason that a Caleb Evans ascended above Andrew Booth on the depth chart last year had to do with a lot of the different ways that Andrew Booth plays. Now, getting hurt is going to hurt that, right? Um, because he wasn't able to participate in like a large portion of training camp in the preseason. And so that, you know, you lose your proving ground, but you also lose your developing ground. And Andrew Booth came in, we kind of knew he needed development. He was one of those corners that you draft and say he needs a year. Uh, an easier to get healthy. He needs a year to, you know, on the bench to learn and and improve little bits of his game. But what are those bits, right? Like, let's be more specific about it. Um, I, I am working on a Patreon video. I think I'm going to do this comparison with uh, Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth and try to do the same thing as I did with the running backs and say, like, here's who I think, you know, wins the, the camp battle. We'll see how it plays out. Um, so I'm still working on that. I haven't done the Evans side of it, but watching Andrew Booth, especially in the Dallas game, that's where he came in and that's where he got the most playing time. He played the entire game against the Dallas Cowboys and it was kind of a catastrophe. If you remember, he missed a tackle, almost gave up a touchdown. He did give up another touchdown on a double move. I think it was CD lamb. Um, he gave up some separation in other places. He got like one pass breakup, but that was it. Like he had a really rough day. And so what led to that rough day? And to answer that, I, I guess the best way to do it is to kind of explain, like, so in the Fangio scheme a little bit, and in the Flores scheme a lot more, you're on an island. Like, when you're when it's quarters on the Fangio scheme, um, you're if that route doesn't break off to the inside and become the inside safety's responsibility, that is yours. You have everything else, everything deep, everything outside, right? And a little underneath routes theoretically should get handled by whoever's coming over and, and playing like the, the flat zone. But the other like main responsibility that corners had in that scheme was squat, which is their word, uh, some of their word for being the corner in cover two, which is an underneath responsibility. It's a flat responsibility, everything flat into the outside. So your job is to take care of, you know, bubble screens, jet sweeps, um, hitches and curls, all of that stuff. 
And when he was in squat technique, a lot of times your job, if it is a, a deep route going past you, um, is to wall, which is influence that guy, throw your hands into that guy and um, try to disrupt his rhythm. He's excellent at that. He's, he's actually really, really good at that particular job. A lot of corners are good at that job. That's kind of the easiest job that corners get. You might remember Mike Zimmer saying, you know, hey, you find a cover two corner at a 7-Eleven, like when he first got to Minnesota, you might remember that quote. That's basically what he's saying here is that cover two cornerback is kind of the easiest thing cornerbacks can do. If you want to run three, cover four, man to man, all that stuff, you actually got to play a little bit. But it's really easy to just push a guy and let somebody else handle the actual route, right? Um, relatively. <laughs> so Booth, great at that, but how far does that carry you, right? When it actually comes time to cover, there's a couple of things that I think really get him in trouble. For one, he reacts too much to everything. And I, I want to get into like more specifics, and I think I have to do that visually. So patreon.com slash NFL, keep an eye on it. I'll have that there for if you're interested in it. For our sake here, I'll give you at least one example, which was a slant that he gave up uh, on a third and short situation where it was versus Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup releases really hard outside. Andrew Booth goes really hard outside with him. Uh, and I think the, the teaching point there has to be don't go that far outside with him. You don't have to. When it's third and three, which it was in that situation, what's he going to do? Run a fade outside you and get separation? Like, even if he does do that, that's like the hardest possible throw that they could throw on third and three. How mad would you be if the Vikings had a third and three and threw a fade to KJ Osborne? You'd be furious, right? Um, so if you do get beat on that, like there's still a chance you win the rep just by virtue of that's a really hard thing for the offense to execute. They might just not execute it. Um, and the easiest thing for them to do is run a slant. So when you go super far outside, he's just responding to the stimuli the wide receiver has given him. And in the NFL, wide receivers are going to give you the wrong stimuli every time. In college, sometimes you get a lot, you get a lot more receivers that just run the thing straight up. Oh, it's a slant. Okay. I, I, here's what I practiced on a slant, three steps and break, right? Um, NFL, you know, there are rare college receivers that don't do that, that can set up their route stems on a slant to really take you outside. Those are the guys that go to the NFL. Um, and so you, you have to be less reactive. You have to underreact versus overreact. I say that a lot when I talk about cornerbacks, underreacting is better than overreacting. Um, because if you underreact and you realize, oh no, he ran past me. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't break out. I didn't backpedal hard enough. I didn't turn my hips fast enough or anything like that. You can turn, you can run, you're out of phase. If you overreact, that thing's just getting cut, uh, caught in front of you. Um, so he needs to be a little bit more conservative about his footwork. The, the actual note is going to vary rep to rep on what that means, whether that means, hey, you should have done a backpedal or you should have gone to a shuffle step here or, you know, here you shouldn't have gone to a shuffle step. Like it's going to change rep to rep. So kind of talking about it in generalities isn't going to be that useful, but that's kind of where it is, is just uh, that that's the mentality, I guess, is to play with the confidence that you can. You can go further in the game of chicken, you know, if that, that if that route is stemming really, really, really hard at you, you don't need to bail out. You can stay in your backpedal or even better, stay flat footed and stare at that thing. And if he does blaze past you, here's the thing, Andrew Booth, the way that his hips turn is fantastic. He's really good at that part. And that is an athleticism that is difficult to teach, right? The kind of the anti-Trey Waynes of sorts. Um, and so if you can... If he does get past you, you can get turning and running really, really fast. It's not going to be that bad. You'll be out of phase and you'll have to make a play out of phase. Happens. Not ideal, but I would take that happening once a game versus letting a crow get caught in front of you six times a game. And that's where I think Andrew Booth needs to be at. 
that requires quite a bit of comfort. I mean, that, that really, you need to be confident that you're doing the right thing, that you're reading the route correctly, that you are able to keep up with this guy, right? Like that's, it's easy to say versus a, a bigger, slower receiver. But you know, what about if, if, uh, John Ross, not John Ross, well, yeah, John Ross, he's a chief, right? Yeah. Joe, what if John Ross is in front of you, right? That's a speedy guy. Uh, or somebody like Christian Watson, right? What if it's Christian Watson? Uh, he's a speedy guy and, and, you know, can you play it that way? Right. Or, or are you going to be a little bit more conservative against him and let him catch things against you? Um, or actual, you know, all around right wide receivers, like wherever DeAndre Hopkins ends up or, or DJ Moore on the, on the bears, I'm on Ron St. Brown. Like there, those are the guys that are going to challenge that confidence. And so he needs to be really, really, really sound in that. And so to come up from the second team, he needs to show a veteran level of confidence. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if he gets there this year. That might be really disappointing to hear. And I sure hope that I am wrong on it. But I think that that takes a level of comfort and confidence that you can't get when you're nursing a, th- a knee all the time and a hamstring all the time. And the fact that Booth gets injured a lot is kind of maybe the only thing you know about him. Or maybe you just know about that one punch. Um, I, I don't think that that's fair. And I think you should know more about Andrew Booth. So we're going to spend the rest of the show going over his story and his uh, journey to the NFL through Clemson and, 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 you know, the person that he is, because ultimately that's the point of the Everyman series. Uh, before we do that, I would like to talk to you about America's number one sports book. It is the one-stop shop for all things grambling. It is FanDuel. FanDuel is a great place to get started during this baseball season. If you are the kind of person that likes to bet on like home run props uh, or over-unders of baseball, you can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, sign up through that, and you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you whiff on that first bet. It's called a no-sweat first bet. And if you whiff on that first bet, that's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back, even if you totally screw up the first bet, no big deal. So don't miss your chance to snag that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. For me personally, I'm more of just a football guy, so I would be maybe betting on Vikings over under win totals, right? Over under eight and a half. Will they or won't they have a winning record is essentially what that's asking, right? The Vikings are also not favored to win the division. So if you think they are going to win the North, the Lions will fall apart. Bears and Packers aren't real. If you think that, you can still get them. I think at like plus 240 or something like that. Uh, at least last I checked, but go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Get signed up. Go check those odds and see if you like them. Fanduel, make every moment more. Andrew Booth grew up fast. And I don't mean in the uh, emotional sense necessarily that, that I'll talk about in this series. Sometimes when some kid, you know, experiences a tragedy and has to mature before he, he really should have to. Or No, he physically grew up like crazy. Uh, And when you grow up very fast, when you go through a growth spurt that is particularly extreme and your teenage bones are not set up to handle that level of growth uh, and your ligaments especially are not set up to handle that new geometry, basically, that your body has grown up to, uh, it's called Osgood-Schlatter syndrome, I believe. Yeah, Osgood-Schlatter. And it is a temporary condition that affects kids kind of around that like end of puberty age um, that can cause all kinds of pain. Essentially, your ligaments just are not set up 
to handle this new growth and they'll get stretched and stressed and there will be inflammation and with inflammation comes pain and also vulnerability and stiffness. Andrew Booth is the kind of guy that will not tell you about how much pain he is in. You kind of have to be to be in the NFL. Um, I'm sure I'm not breaking a lot of news to you here. Football hurts. Football is a painful game to play. And every single player will tell you that they are in some kind of pain all the time. Anybody you ask, hey, have you ever like been in the middle of a season and actually not been in any pain? I don't think you would ever get a yes to that question. It's just the nature of the game. And so it requires a base level of toughness just to get to this level, not only to, you know, to be a good enough player to deserve being in the NFL, but just to play through high school and college and not quit. So many kids will just be like, you know what? This hurts too much. I'm doing marching band. Like, that's just a decision that kids make all the time, and it's totally fine. Um, But once we have gotten to the NFL, there's sort of a survival bias to it. Everybody's got that level of pain tolerance where they will be bumped and bruised and sprained and uh, scraped and everything. And by December, they're like, yeah, but this is just kind of (laughs) life. It's it's kind of an insane mentality. I mean, I couldn't do that. It's even, you know, the lowest level football players that you totally forget about have that much on you. Right. And, and I think it's worth sometimes taking a step back and having a reverence for for just the the toughness of the people that we cover and root for and criticize. Um, it takes quite a bit. And for Andrew Booth, it has taken an extra. Right. Because he's had this condition. Booth has dealt with more pain than your average player and your average player already deals with a lot. And I just want you to keep that in mind as we go through this story that this is a kid that is just always in physical pain and it will not go away. And just how frustrating that can be when you're trying to be a professional quality athlete. Um, Andrew Booth has seven brothers and sisters. Uh, He has a twin sister named Alicia, by the way, who, would help him in games by like doing the braids in his hair and chasing away the girls afterwards because he can't be distracted. You got you to buckle down. You're going to Clemson, buddy. <laughs> he committed to Clemson pretty early in the process. So he was always going to... He actually could have gone to Clemson early, uh, but decided to kind of stick and be loyal to his, his high school team at Archer High School, I believe is what it was called. Um, and... Before long, like by the time he was in high school, he started to realize as his little brothers grew up that they really looked up to him. That, you know, he would, they would dress like him, they would do their hair like him, they would try to talk like him. And it's really realizing, like, you know, I am, I'm the oldest brother. Like, I am kind of going to be like their role model. Anybody with an older brother can kind of relate to that, or with, you know, anybody who is an older brother, I guess, can relate to that. Um, and so I, I guess I want to transport you to his freshman year where he is on special teams. It is Clemson versus Louisville. This is maybe the other thing you know Andrew Booth for. If you don't know him for being a guy that's hurt all the time as a Vikings fan, if you are a Clemson fan listening to this, you might know him for what happens on the field against Louisville in a noon game in Cardinal Stadium. Uh, There is a punt return, and Andrew Booth looks like he's gunning this punt return. He's... uh, part of the the punt gunner apparatus and there's a louisville player that plays a little extra uh you know pushes after well after the whistle pushes andrew booth to the ground doesn't appear that any ref sees it but it is um 
we'll go with extracurricular. And from this point, if you ask Andrew Booth, who will willfully talk about this, I mean, this is a long time ago, and he's he's reflected on it enough to be comfortable talking about it. He says he just blacked out. He just lost everything. And he gets in a full-on fight with this guy. Uh, helmets on, punching punches him right in the face. And that's always, you know, something that is going to get you a decent amount of guff is when you try to punch someone who has a helmet on, it is immediately going to be an infamous thing. It, it's If you look up, like, Clemson, the punch, uh, you will find, or maybe if you look up, like, college football, the punch, you will probably find that clip uh, from the broadcast. His whole family made a huge trek to watch that game, too. Uh, his twin sister was there, his mom was there, his little brothers were there. And there's a great anecdote in, in uh, one of the articles that I sourced for, for this piece that is kind of follows it through the family's eyes. And there's this moment that really just gut punches me of uh, that his little brothers wearing their 23, their orange 23 Clemson Tigers, that uh, I think it was his sister said, hey, take those off. Like you're, you're you might get kind of made fun of. You're going to get called out like might not be safe, right? Like people are really, really, really mad at Andrew Booth after this. Take those off. We'll get, let's get home safe. And they're like, nah, proudly strutting around with their 23. We stand by our brother. I don't know. Something about that really sticks with me. Those, those tight, big families, there's something so special about that, you know? Um, but for Booth, he has to, he, he is not allowed on the team playing home after that. He gets ejected from the game. He gets booed by, uh, Louisville and Clemson fans alike. He is on every not top 10-esque TV, radio thing. I mean, it is the talk of the hour. It is the most infamous thing. And he is the villain. He is the bad guy. And I think part of the reason that I do this series is because I don't think that you should ever be defined by your worst moment, especially when your worst moment is a particularly public one. We see that kind of thing a lot. You know, you think about like the great scapegoats of of NFL history. Um, Scott Norwood always comes to mind. Marlon Mack. Ask any Chargers fan about Marlon Mack. You will you will hear about one play and one play only. And that's probably just not fair to these guys. And for both, there's so much more to him than that. Um, there's so much more to get to know, and there's so much more that happens after it in terms of him really maturing and growing up in, in the other sense. Uh, so we have quite a bit of story here left to tell. Moving on with this episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast, the Everyman series, and a special shout out to those of you who do listen to the show every single day, especially those of you who listen in June. Uh, this is when I can get a little bit more fluffy and puffy and uh, sometimes nitty gritty X's and O's and swap between the two things really well. And can't really do that. There's not time for this kind of content this season. So I really appreciate those of you who support it. I want to pick back up with Andrew Booth on the bus home from that Louisville game. Now the team flew home, but he was not allowed. He went on the manager's bus. And as he watched uh, the Southern countryside go by, as he goes from Louisville, Kentucky to where Clemson is in, uh, in North Carolina, um, he calls his pastors, he closes his eyes, he thinks, um, and he says now about it, you know, the devil can swoop in so fast is his quote, and he asks, like, man, what did I do? Like, he didn't even know. He blacked out. 
this article seems to imply that, uh, and uh, this doesn't seem like something that Booth necessarily said, but this article implies it, so maybe it happened elsewhere in their conversation, I don't know, but that being in as much pain as Andrew Booth was is kind of what what leads you to be that frustrated, to have that kind of hair trigger because you're so used to being in pain. Like I said, that Osgood Schlatter, that goes away. I mean, that is just something that is kind of mid-growth spurt when one part of your body hasn't caught up to the other side of your body, to the other part of your body in terms of growing. But eventually that goes away. The thing is, when you have it, it hurts. And if you play through that pain without telling anybody, like Andrew Booth will, block it out, just get back on the, just get me back on the field, coach you can develop more long-term symptoms. And knee tendinitis is what, patellar tendinitis, I believe, is the exact thing that happens to Andrew Booth because of this. And again, he doesn't make any excuses, right? It's just, it hurts, it hurts. I'll tell myself it doesn't hurt, right? Just block it out. And patellar tendinitis appears to, I'm speculating a little here, appears to progress to patellar tendon tear and he plays through the entire season with it um that is the 2019 clemson season by the way booth says later that he you know he at that year he felt no better than like 80 percent. he played mostly on special teams all the way through the college football playoff into the national championship that was the year that they played lsu in the national championship trevor lawrence and all that um and he will undergo surgery to repair the patellar tendon tear that he was playing on in that offseason. Um, that appears to be the end of the knee thing. 2020, 2021, he basically plays through it. He gets like a little stinger or something like that. But that's just about it. Um, this is three games over the next 21 for various minor things that you don't have to worry about. But the pain tolerance is truly astounding and unthinkable. It is truly something that I cannot relate to or think, even think about relating to. I can't even imagine. Um, he had a small bone growing on the back of his knee. It was that bad. And he just didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell anybody when his mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, he didn't tell anybody when she got a double mastectomy and was in the ICU. In fact, he played that day, and he got a heroic interception, turning from villain to hero in the eyes of Clemson fans. And isn't that the way that it always goes? There's so little that we know about these people and so much we have to say about them. I mean, I'm sure I sure am guilty of it. I host a podcast about people that I've never met. Um... But I think it, it it's just worth having a little bit of respect for the unknowns in someone's life. And for playing through that much pain and being labeled a guy who's made... I mean, you'll see it all the time. You talk about Andrew Booth. He's made of... I'm sure it'll be in the comments of this video. Andrew Booth, totally made of glass. He's got to stay healthy. Come on, toughen up, kid. This might be one of the toughest people on the entire team. Uh, in terms of his ability to play through pain, right? And it's just the way his body has progressed and grew up. There's nothing he can do about that. If anything, he probably shouldn't have played through that much pain because he ended up exacerbating issues that could have been, you know, more temporary. Maybe he was too tough for his own good, right? So this is the the ultimate lesson of Andrew Booth, I think, is A, 
you know, it's the the Walt Whitman quote from the Ted Lasso clip, be curious, not judgmental, right? There's so much you don't know. You don't have it all figured out. I don't either. And I, I need to be better about that too. Um, that's a lesson for me, you know? But also, when all you know about a player is one thing, whether it's the punch or the injury history or something like that, it's just so easy for everything to turn around. And for Booth, it's this unbelievable moment where he is, I mean, his his mother is going through breast cancer, getting surgery that day, pink gloves, pick up the ball. It's a scoop and score. Like, how exciting. And in the eyes of Clemson fans and media, I mean, you probably couldn't ask him about a punch. What punch? You mean the guy that just you know, was the hero of a game against Syracuse? Nah, man, he's our favorite. What do you mean punch? What are you talking about? Punch? Injury history? Patellar tear? Who cares? Scoop and score, baby. Go Tigers. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. It's the way sports are. It is deeply unfair, as sports always tend to be. And taking a moment to reflect on that and the things that Andrew Booth has fought through, the people, the, the, the people that have surrounded him, and everything that is that brought him to the Vikings as a second round exciting pick, only to have problems in your legs sabotage it again. The fire in that dude, man, I would not want to mess with it. Um, obviously, you know, we'll see where he ends up on the depth chart because hey, there's just as much fire in a guy like a Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman. Like they've got their reasons too, and we will get to them. Well, we've already have talked about Makai Blackman's. Um but for Booth, this is this is a crossroads. Can he, you know, live up to that second round hype? Can he become the player he was at, at Clemson again? And what oh what is he gonna have to overcome this time? I don't know, that last question doesn't worry me as much with him just knowing who he is. Tomorrow might be a Caleb Evans, might be something else. Maybe we'll do random undrafted free agents. I mean, we're doing every man on the 90 here, not just the guys you know about. So we will uh, continue on. Um, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. And as always, skull.